Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul tests this morning. Lord, thank you for a brand new day. Thank you for this grace again to come into your presence this morning, this beautiful morning. Father, I say thank you. Be glorified in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for every blessing in our lives this morning. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for for the air that we breathe. We thank you this morning for life in us, for the earth in our bodies. We say thank you, Lord. Be glorified forevermore that we can hear, that we can see, that we can feel, we can, we can, we can read. Lord, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, because in you we live, we move. In you we have our being, Lord. Father, thank you for every blessing you have given us, for the families that surround our tables. Lord, for uh, the privilege to call someone a friend, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife. Lord, we say thank you, Lord. Be glorified forevermore in the precious name of Jesus. We come this morning with thanksgiving. We come this morning with praises. We declare that you are the one who is worthy to be praised, to be glorified. We declare this morning that you are the one who is faithful. So receive all the glory in the name of Jesus. As we spend this time again here today, we ask Lord speak to us once again. Lord grant us wisdom and understanding. Help us learn in your presence and cause your name to be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Morphy. We start a new book today. It's the book of Timothy. We call it First Timothy. Paul wrote two letters uh, to, to Timothy. So we take the first book today. First Timothy has just six chapters. So in three days, we should be through, through with this book. Um, first Timothy is especially okay, uh, interesting and special in that Timothy was very, very, very close to Paul, okay, um, as soon as Paul and Barnabas separated, and then uh, Paul chose to go with Silas instead of John Mark, you know, uh, he, he picked up Timothy, and then as a young man, Timothy began to learn, to learn the trade, began to learn what it meant to be, to be a pastor, to be an apostle. And they went through very difficult, uh, difficult situations together. Okay, so um, it is in that context, okay, that you understand how Paul is writing is writing to Timothy. Now there are a few things that are addressed. The book I will say very from the right from the from the bat from the beginning that there are topics in in Timothy that are difficult, okay, uh, to explain. 
and uh, you will understand where we get there and we, and we discuss them, especially Paul's instruction in, in chapter 2 about women. Okay? So, um, but we'll, we'll get through that, through that one very, 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 very easily. But Timothy was uh, literally like a son, okay, to, to Paul. So you will see the fatherly way he writes to, writes to this young man who had been in prison with him, had been through thick and thin with him, okay? And I'm telling you, this book will, it will bless you so much, so much for us to learn. Timothy had been left behind, okay, to pastor uh, this church in Ephesus, okay? Um, there are those, okay, who argue, Bible scholars, who argue that, look, Timothy probably was not written by Paul um, in that when you look at the chronology of the events in Acts of the Apostles, you know, it is difficult to place the book of First uh, and Second Timothy in there. And, and they are correct, okay? Uh, but who says that Act of the Apostles was meant to be the chronological order of everything or the writing of everything that Paul did? We know that even Act of the Apostles does not give us the account of how Paul even stood before Caesar and what happened after, okay? So it just says, it ends by saying, for two years, you know, when his accusers did not show up, you know, Paul was allowed to go around. Okay, so um, very important. The explanation is that uh, this is likely after Acts of the Apostles. Okay, so um, First and Second Timothy then are likely some of the last uh, books of Paul that we have. Remember, we said Colossians. You know, uh, Philippians, uh, Philemon were all written when Paul was in prison. First and Second Timothy were likely written after those two years. Okay, after those two years, when his accusers did not show up, uh, most likely he stood before Caesar. We have to assume that because the angel told him that he was going to stand before Caesar. So uh, when his accusers did not show up, he likely stood before Caesar gave his account was released and then he began continued his missionary journey especially considering that we know that he had that vision of a man beckoning to him from macedonia that they should come so he would have continued and many scholars agreed that he was likely jailed a second time okay so please get your bibles this morning let's read together first timothy chapters one and two Chapter 1, greetings from Paul. Uh, This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gave us, who gives us hope. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us who gives us hope. The truth is, this letter has what we call the Pauline introduction. It has the same way Paul, you know, starts all his letter. He says, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. You can literally say that Timothy was a son in the faith to Paul, 
just as John Mark was a son in the faith in Otobanabas. He says, May God the Father and Christ, may God the Father and, and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Usually you will say grace and grace and peace. But for Timothy, it says grace, mercy, and peace. Okay, so we know that that is Paul's signature opening, the Pauline way of writing. Next, verse 3, Paul begins warning against false teaching. So when I left for Macedonia, okay, so they never got, you know, to go down to Macedonia, you know, after they received that vision of that man beckoning to them, you know, to come to Macedonia. They just became enmeshed in so much, you know, so much work, so much, and eventually so much trouble. He had to go to Jerusalem, and then from Jerusalem, you know, um, he then uh, went on this trip where he had, he was taken to Rome to stand before the emperor. So, obviously, after those two years and he was released, Paul went to Macedonia because he had the vision. Since when I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. So, we begin to see uh, the background that will help us understand some of the topics that Paul addressed. It's in Ephesus, and we know that in Ephesus, uh, this was where there was this great riot. Yes, if you remember, Ephesus was where Paul had to leave the town. He had to leave. In fact, Ephesus was where he had to call them. Acts chapter 20 eventually called for the leaders of the church, and you know, he was crying, everybody was crying, and he, he prayed with them, he commended them to God and the, the word of his grace that was able to build them up and give them an inheritance that was um, among the saints. You know, Ephesus was the place where you add the Greek god, okay, Artemis. Um, the, the, the female goddess, goddess of the earth. You know, um, Ephesus was a unique city. Um, they rioted because, you know, a statue was, was going out of sales because of Paul's teaching. Yes, it was at Ephesus. Uh, and so Paul left Timothy there, you know, and I'm sure uh, for, for good reason, Ephesus was one of the biggest cities of those times, okay? Um, the Roman Empire then one of the biggest, um, very, very big cosmopolitan city. And here you could get a mixture of Greeks, of, of philosophers, of Jews, okay, who were standing against the faith. Paul says, I left you there to stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. He says, don't let them waste their time in endless discussions, discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculation, speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Okay, the words we should argue and increase in wisdom and learning over should be things that help us to live a life of faith in God. If it is helping you to know God better, I understand. Okay, that's fine. But if this is just argument for the sake of argument, who is the father of God? When was God born? Can you prove that there is God? If this is just plainly for the sake of argument, Paul says, let it go. 
don't let them okay don't let this disbelievers waste their time in endless discussion five the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience and genuine faith that is the reason why we share the bible that is the reason why we read the bible the bible's sole goal you know is to give us a pure heart a clear conscience genuine faith towards god anything outside that okay we must always use a pillar to judge the interpretations we get we give to the word of god even when we receive revelations and they are lining up with the word of god and these three pillars are very important a pure heart a clear conscience and genuine faith it is coming and it is troubling your conscience be careful it's coming and it is leading you into sin be careful is this from god or not it is coming and it is it is literally moving you away from god no genuine faith it is but some people have missed this whole point they have turned away from these things and spend their times their time in meaningless discussion they want to be known as teachers of the law of moses okay so that tells us that definitely okay these guys were not just uh, uh were not just greek philosophers they were likely jews okay among them he says they want to be known as teachers of the law the laws the law of moses but they don't know what they are talking about even though they speak so confidently eight says we don't we know that the law is good when used correctly the law is good there's nothing wrong with the law the only problem that is that man has never been able to fulfill or uh, to do anything about the law okay so paul says we know that the law is good when used correctly for the law was not intended for people who do what is right it is for people who are lawless and rebellious who are ungodly and sinful who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy who kill their father or mother or commit other commit other murder what the law does is show us our sins the law does not do anything else after that the law cannot you know help us you know um achieve a relationship with god overcome sin no the law points out sin in our lives and paul says look that is the purpose of the law you know um and so it is for those who were going to break god's law that was why the law came he says the law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or slave slave traders i've seen people argue that but the bible does not say anything about homosexuality i'm sure you're not blind it says or who practice homosexuality okay the bible clearly mentions homosexuality or are slave traders liars promise breakers or who do anything else that contradicts the awesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed god very important 12 says i thank christ jesus our lord who has given me strength to do his work god is the one who gives us the strength to do his work paul says he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though i used to blaspheme the name of god in my insolence i persecuted his people but god had mercy on me because i did it in ignorance 
and unbelief. Who would have said a man like Paul could ever become an apostle? I'm telling you, that is what the grace of God, the love of God can do. The same person that persecuted the church became an apostle that was preaching. In fact, literally wrote half of the of half of the New Testament. Okay, the books of the New Testament we currently we currently have. Paul says, "Look, but God had mercy on me because I did it in in ignorance and unbelief." This is all oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. Since this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. And I am the worst of them all. What humility. I love this about Paul. Paul says, I am the worst sinner. I'm telling you, for those who walk in faith towards God, there is never a place for pride. There is never a place for boasting. Instead, you see how weak, in fact, the more time you spend in the presence of God, you see how weak you are and that you are only standing by the grace and by the, by the grace of God. Paul says, ha, 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 I am the worst of them all, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus uh, could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Okay, so Paul was able to tolerate others better because of the kind of person that he was. That was it's as simple as that. Since then, others will realize that they, they too, can believe in him and receive eternal life. If God could save Paul, <laughs> God can save me. It's as simple as that. That was what Paul was saying. If God could save me okay so people could look at me and say if the same one that was persecuting the church is preaching it vigorously right now okay there must be something about this about this gospel okay so paul says ah yes then others will re- realize that they too can believe in me and receive eternal life i pray that god has called you you are now born again it will mean something to someone or someone who knows you might just be your family members it will mean something for them and it will encourage others uh, to move closer to god in the mighty name of jesus Paul is all honor and glory to god forever and ever he is the eternal eternal king the unseen one who never dies he alone is god amen hallelujah he is the unseen one he is the only one who never dies hallelujah our king the king of kings hallelujah now paul talks about paul's timothy's responsibility timothy my son here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier uh, may they help you fight well fight may help you fight well in the lord's battle so it is likely uh, just as when Paul, you know, and Barnabas were commissioned for for their assignment, um, they were meeting together, and then that prophetic word came, you know, through Agabus and the other prophets and teachers that were gathered together, and their ministry began. It seems the same thing happened for Timothy. Okay, um, Paul didn't just leave him behind to take care of things uh, because Paul wanted to. Paul said, "Look, based on the prophetic word." 
spoken about you earlier uh he left him there okay so he said may they, they help you fight well in the lord's battle he says cling to your faith in christ and keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately violated their conscience as a result their faith has been shipwrecked i i know people like this deliberately they violate their conscience was our conscience are violated you know we our conscience our, our conscience are seared the conscience is the voice of the spirit man that voice inside you that tells you this has to be wrong i shouldn't be doing this i shouldn't i shouldn't continue here that's the voice of your conscience when you constantly violate it okay uh, it becomes seared paul says that there are people like that okay he says look they just consistently you know um violate their conscience he says clean you cling to your faith in christ and keep your conscience clear okay you keep your conscience clear by follow the following the leading of your conscience usually the holy spirit will nudge you with your conscience you know it is time to move it is time to pray you have not prayed today that's the voice of your spirit speaking to you it says are you clean keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately violated their conscience as a result their faith has been shipwrecked i pray for you you will not be a shipwreck your faith will not fail in the name of jesus it says i'm i mean and alexander are two examples i threw them out and handed them over to satan so they might they might learn not to blaspheme god wow okay so i would have loved to discuss uh, these two guys i mean i and alexander okay uh but let's get ready for for chapter two however save it to because paul says that look that he had delivered them <laughs> delivered them you know to to, to satan <laughs> <laughs> he said, I handed them over to Satan. Okay, so what did these guys do? Okay, in 2 Timothy, Paul actually mentions Alexander again by name. He says, Alexander the coppersmith uh, did me great harm. Okay, so these guys were preaching, you know, uh, very, very strange teachings. Teachings that were making many believers, you know, to, to shipwreck their faith. Paul says that, look, these guys and you know, actually prep their face. You know, else you will notice that okay, that they were formerly uh, followers of Paul. They were preaching the gospel with Paul. These guys have now decided, you know. So one of the teachings that they were teaching was that there will be no bodily resurrection. In other words, there won't be any resurrection. Those who have died have died, and they are gone. And I'm telling you, if that is so then Jesus did not rise from the grave. If Jesus did not, Paul is going to address this later. If Jesus did not rise up from the grave, then there there is no Christianity. There is really the most important, the important, the most important event of Christianity is the resurrection. It was Jesus' resurrection, the bodily resurrection from the dead, from the dead that gave him the authority or the ground 
to say, I have the keys of death and of hell. It was the ground that Jesus used to defeat to defeat Satan. Okay? So, the minute you claim that there is no resurrection, you have literally, you know, proven or declared that there is no Christianity. It's as simple as that. Okay? So, Paul said, I delivered them to Satan. <laughs> because these guys, you know, they were shipwrecking a lot of people's faith. We'll find time, you know, uh, maybe in in chapter when we read Second Timothy, you know, to uh, to explain to explain it a lot better. All right, chapter two, instructions about worship. Says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Very important. Pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Um, ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Even Arminius and and Alexander. Yes, intercede for all people on their behalf and give thanks for them pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that they can so that we can live a peaceful a peaceful uh, uh, we can we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity so um i have made this apology apology several times uh, sometimes when I'm reading, my eyes are still seeing the King James Version, <laughs> even though I'm reading the New Living Translation right in front of me. Paul says, look, pray for kings, pray for the leaders, you know, in your country, pray for your president, for those who are in authority. He says, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. He says, this is good and, 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 and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth okay so don't just uh, leave people in authorities and say politics are for are for you know it's a dirty game we don't need to talk about politics in church no Paul says pray pray for them and of course believers should go into politics verse 5 says for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile who can reconcile God and humanity the man Christ Jesus he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Jesus gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And I have been chosen as a preacher and an apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating just telling the truth in every place of worship i want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to god free from anger and controversy and i want women to be modest in their appearance they, sh uh, they should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearl or expensive clothes again paul is not addressing marriage here okay we we'll dealt with this when we discuss First Corinthians. We look at First Corinthians um, as eleven, and then First Corinthians fourteen, you know, two places where Paul addresses, you know, the order of worship and how women should conduct themselves. Remember that this was in Ephesus. Artemis, the female goddess, was the one, okay, uh, the one being worshipped. And so, when these new believers, you know, received this freedom in Christ, they now, you know, there was no limitation on them compared to the, to, 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 to the Jewish culture, where women could not speak. 
women were taking taking this new freedom for granted in those days you know men sat in one place women sat in one corner husband and wife sat differently eh? <laughs> nowadays we go to church husband and wife sit together no in those days men sat in one corner women sat in in an in another corner and then these women were not using their freedom well you know during the service they could shout out to their husband you know asking a question or asking something and so they were they were they were disorderly and of course affecting the order of service paul says look no they should pay attention to being decent and appropriate clothing no they should put on appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair and uh, or by wearing gold or pearl or expensive clothes obviously in the worship of the greek of the of the greek god artemis women had to dress you know flamboyantly some of them were female were temple prostitutes and all of that paul says no that is not your purpose or your place in the church okay so don't draw attention to yourself you know um he says um um the way they fix their hair or wearing gold or pearl or expensive clothes it's not saying they should not wear them okay it's just saying they look, be moderate says for women who claim to be devoted to god should make themselves attractive by the good things that they do that is our women okay that is our men okay should make themselves attractive by the good things they do not by you know our physical our facial or the you know um ephemeral things of life okay says women 11 so this is where it becomes a bit controversial and i hope we can address this it says women should learn quietly and submissively is i do not let i do not let women teach men or have authority over them so the simple thing i will say very for right from the bat is that some of paul's these teachings here are not clear because when you compare to paul's instructions to all the other churches, to the Colossian church, the Philippian church, you know, to, to the Galatian church. Paul did not put this restriction on women. In fact, he was greeting women. You know, there were women pastors. There was once he said, look, help me to, you know, reconcile these two female pastors who, who have a misunderstanding between them. Obviously, you know, told them the church in their house. Okay, so they were likely allowed to teach. But here in Ephesus, Paul says, no, I do not allow, I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Paul is not presenting a doctrine like some people think he is doing. Paul is not saying that, no, uh, as a standard, because I know people, they get to a church, it's a woman that is preaching, they will leave, they will leave the church. I'm telling you, and, and I'm telling you, you are making a big mistake. Uh, many women preached with Paul. In fact, many women went around. Many of Jesus' disciples were women. Yes, they were women. Jesus was breaking the barrier, the barrier of the Jewish culture. Okay, many of them were women who went around with him. In fact, the first people to see Jesus after he rose again from the dead were women. Okay, so um, that's not the goal here. Paul is not addressing marriage, okay? Paul is addressing order, orderly worship. He says women should learn quietly and submissively these women okay who will come to church the church meetings and then 
their husbands are sitting on one side and he's calling, eh, eh, hello, eh, Paul, Paul, eh, what about let us be going home now? Uh, no, Paul says, no. Eh, what is the pastor saying? Uh, can you come and explain it? Paul says, no. Let them learn quietly and submissively. Okay, they just got new freedom. <laughs> they just got new freedom. Let them learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. For God made Adam first, afterward he made Eve. And it was Adam who was it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. Uh, the woman was deceived and sin was the result. But women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. I say again, some of this part of the of the scriptures are not clear. Okay, because this contradicts Galatians, for example, where Paul says that we are saved by grace. So if he says we is referring to men, it's referring to women. Okay, so it means that uh, this is not very clear. Is it saying that the life of the woman okay, is saved during childbirth as she holds on to her faith towards God? Okay, maybe. Okay, but definitely not salvation. It can be, but women will be saved through childbearing. Definitely, it's not saying that uh, uh, when women give birth to children, that is when they become born again. As some people interpret this, that is perfect. That, that is totally wrong. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I've been blessed today and I've learned something today. Obviously, Paul was tackling some of the um, excesses that were going on here okay in the church in Ephesus um go back again and read the um the the epistle to the you know to to the Ephesian church and then of course go back again and read Ephesians chapter 17 18 19 20 they will help you understand the context in which Timothy is written all right let's pray this morning as we go father we say thank you once again we thank you for your love Thank you, Lord, that we are able to learn in your presence again this morning. Lord, as we go, we ask, Lord, that you will take us deeper in our walk with you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we will not miss it. We will not shipwreck our faith in the name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you this morning. I pray for everyone listening. Help them, Lord, to stay closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.